Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. In this episode, we're going to look back at some landmark episodes, talk a little behind the scenes of OFR, talk about our new hashtag, AskOFR, and a look ahead at season two, which is just around the corner. We talk it all right now. This should be an interesting episode, or at least I hope it is. So here's the thought process behind this. We have had, this is episode 24, if I'm not mistaken. And of those 24 episodes, we've had 23 amazing guests and still some more to come as season one uh, rolls to a close here uh, the end of August, season two starting uh, September 2nd. And we're looking forward to that. And we'll talk about that. But we're going to look back at a few shows and I'm going to give you a backstory. In fact, let's just start now. The backstory on OFR, Open Field Radio. Where did this thing come from and how did we get here? Well, here's the deal. Last year, 2020, the year we don't talk about, the year we'd like to forget, was the catalyst for Open Field Radio. No mystery, Open Field Radio is a product of the communications department from Gowan Company. And in one of our meetings one day, we said, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? What's going to happen? During those meetings, the idea came up, what about a podcast? Now, it's my guess that 2020 will go down as the year of the podcast. And like the world needs another podcast. So what are we going to do? And how are we going to make it different? Challenge accepted. We put pencil to paper and came up with this idea that basically showcases what we like to call the one degree of separation between agriculture and life. Those things that we see every day and take for granted, maybe, or never stop to see that there's actually agriculture running in the background. The other part of it was it had to be fun. Because heavens, there are acres of unfun podcasts. So we kick around a few ideas, kick around a few show names, and lo and behold, it's Open Field Radio. That is a real fast-forward version of that. As you know, and anybody will tell you, nothing happens overnight. And this show is a prime example of that. After 23 episodes, we have tens of thousands of listeners in all 50 states and at this point, 38 countries around the world. That's not a bad start. And we're not about to stop now. I thought it might be fun to take a look back at a few episodes, some specific episodes, give you the backstory to how we got the guest or how we got to them, and then we'll take a look ahead into what's coming in Season 2. And you know what? We're adding a feature we'll talk about in just a little bit that involves you. We'll get to all of that in about 60 seconds. You're listening to Open Field Radio. I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I turn right now, there's something about jobs and the abundance of jobs available out there. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com slash careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com slash careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. I want to hear from you. Yep. 
and not just an email, though emails are cool. And of course, this will involve an email too, but it'll be a cool email because here's what I need you to do. Grab your phone, find the voice app, you know, the little memo app in your phone that nobody uses for much of anything. We're going to use it. I want you to give me your name, where you're from, what you do, and that you listen to Open Field Radio. So it would go like this. I'm Mark, Yuma, Arizona, host of Open Field Radio, and I listen to Open Field Radio. Got it? Just Fill in the blanks with your information. Shoot it off to me in an email, info at openfieldradio.com. I just might use it on the air. And if I do, I'll send you something cool. How's that? Because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. Hi, my name is Nina Wilson, and I listen to Open Field from the lowest capital of the world, Yuma, Arizona. Open Field Radio. So the first episode of Open Field Radio premiered September 3rd, 2020. I remember it well. We had it on the calendar in the office. We were ready to go. But acquiring the first guest, who's it going to be? How's it going to work? Is it a real episode? Is it a test episode? A trial balloon for something? You know what I'm saying. How does this whole thing work? Well, thanks to Instagram and a personal friend, we wound up with season one, episode one, and John Dinsmore. So I love farming. But I can't expect everybody else to have the the same passion. Was that farming, was that instilled in you at a young age? Oh, man. I just, I remember growing up, my closest neighbor were my grandparents a half mile away. So I lived for the moments that I could ride my bike down to the office there at the farm or down to the shop. My grandpa would put me to work. Yeah, I, I will admit it was under under the books. I got paid in $1 bills. I'd kept my time on a little notepad in my pocket. And That's great. I learned the value in washing a tractor the right way. I remember the first time I tried to wash a tractor, and it was a lot harder than it looked. So those little things that I remember are what I want to give my kids opportunities to identify things that they like, things they don't like, and maybe some areas that they didn't know they loved. Sure. And the farm life, what a great place to discover that. Exactly. Exactly. Is farming today a young person's game? It's anybody's game. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I, I just love that we are a part of an ag world now. That is not Johnny Appleseed. It's not just planting a, a seed. Statement. It's not, you don't, if you don't want to get your hands dirty, you don't have to get them dirty. I mean, I love what I do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm in my truck a lot, but I get to walk fields. I get to get, get my boots muddy and, and dirty and just the smell of the soil to me and, and listening this time of year to the wheat in the morning when the breeze is blowing and the birds are chirping. It is a great sound. It's a great sound. And, and yet there's others that say, you know what? Mm, too much sun for me. Put mm. me behind a computer. Let me run some science. Let me run some numbers. Let me go on the uh, the economics. Let me study the uh, the soils from a science based you know approach and and help from that direction. And that's what I've tried to tell my children. That I mean, if you are just the slightest bit interested in agriculture, there's a hundred different ways you can be a part of it and help what we're doing at the ground level. Exactly. It's a it's it's an open field, as we say. <laughs> it's an open field, yeah, exactly. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And we were off to the races. Episode one was out, and we could hardly believe it. Very, very, very exciting time. From there, we moved on to episode two, which was Stephen Lord with the Cincinnati Reds, Major League Baseball groundskeeper. Great episode, ton of fun. But what was looming ahead? Season one, episode three, the one and only Stephen Ritz. Stephen, Mark. How are you, my friend? I am well. I'm excited and ready. Let's do it. Let's get at it, man. You now you're in New York City right now. I am. I am in the beautiful Bronx. We talked yesterday, you and I. When I called you, you said, "Hey, let me call you in two hours because I'm stuck in traffic." And two hours later, you'd gone two miles. Two miles. Yeah. Welcome oh. to New York. Oh my gosh. I, I'm I'm at a loss for words because I went through all the stuff you sent me and. 
I don't even know where to start. There is so much here. This is absolutely amazing. Where did the passion for the urban garden come from? Beats the hell out of me. Understand. <laughs> um, you know, I, to this day, am still not a farmer. Everyone in my family is better than me, and none of my family are born farmers. All of my students are better than me. Um, you know, so it's a remarkable episode that actually happened, um, you know, out of a tragedy in my life, okay. but I still absolutely marvel that you could put a seed in the ground and, you know, 30 or 60 days later, you get this amazing plant that you could eat or sell. I marvel at it season after season. You know, today I was harvesting today, 30 days and 60 days later, you know, here sure. I am. I'm still doing it season after season, much like you guys do over there at Cowan. That's right. Well, you say something, I was looking at your site and the, actually the promo video on your site, and you said you give a child a seed and you give them hope and a vision for the future. Well, yeah, when you put a seed in a child's hand or even in a veteran's hand or a senior citizen's hand or anybody's hand, you're making that person a promise that that seed, just like they, are going to grow into something great. And that seed represents God-given genetic potential. And for me as an educator and a community activist and you know, all the things that I do, you know, I want every child in every community to, to you know, express their God-given genetic potential and to, and to become the fullest possible plant they can become. You know, get out there and express yourself. In terms of genetic words, get out there and express yourself. I love it. I love it. I'm smiling very big listening to you because you're so, uh, you're so motivating in that way, and I'm sure that plays into to everything that you do. Yeah, but let me back up a little bit because you, as a farmer, will get a kick out of it. Let's so, go. You know, my farming story is one of an absolute accidental success. And remarkably, you know, I had some tragedy. For years, I had been working in some of the most marginalized and challenged communities in and across New York City, and particularly in the Bronx. Okay. And I had a very rough year, one year, losing some students um, to illness and violence. And then even within my own family, my wife and I lost two children. Oh and I wound up taking a job just closest to my physical home to save on commuting time. I felt like the half hour each way going to work, um, you know, making an hour a day was better spent with my family. So I went, I just picked the school closest walk to my apartment and applied for a job there only to find out it was the worst high school in all of New York City. Wow. To give you some context, it had 256 felonies in the building. We had 18 armed police officers, 48 school safety agents, 256 felonies, and a 17% graduation rate. Surprise! Wow. Welcome to work. And of all things, they throw me in this school. They look at my resume and say, man, you know, you must be a pretty, pretty diverse guy. You must be a pretty adept and pretty adaptable. So we're going to have you teach science. And I don't know if you remember this, uh, <laughs> this song by Thomas Dolby blinded me with science. I My first well. response was science. <laughs> exactly. What the hell is you blinded me with? I've never taught science in my life. Oh, you know, no. I know nothing about science. So I'm freaking out. turns out they give me 17 overage undercredited youth. A lot of them with a variety of baggage whether it was special needs, adjudication, foster care, probation, um, you know, a lot of sad, a lot of sad kind of tragic stories that sadly make up far too much of the New York City and urban public school landscape. Okay. And they just lumped all these kids together and said, here, you know, do something great. 
And oh, by the way, we have nothing for you to do it with or no, no way for you to do it or no instruction or manual. But, you know, you're, you'll figure it out. So you'll get, get them in the room, keep them, get them in the room, keep them in there. And, uh, you know, don't call too much. You know, don't call <laughs> us. We'll call you. Right. So I put out this frantic uh, request on the Internet, if you will, to my colleagues. Help. You know, I send on my crazy AOL account, which I still have. So it goes Love to it. show you I haven't evolved too much. There you go. And, you know, I put yeah, I put a help. I'm teaching science. Can you send me a microscope, a, a something, a, a tablet, you know, a telescope, something? Sure. What do you do? You know, I had a pretty good network of people and like to say, right. I know a guy. So about three <laughs> weeks later, I get a call in the loudspeaker on the class. Mr. Ritz, come to the principal's office, please. <laughs> and like the kids are ecstatic. They're like, yeah, he got his transfer. Exactly. They're getting rid of this guy. You know, uh, like, oh, he, I'm like, WTF? Yeah. did I do now, you know, <laughs> exactly. what could this be? What could be? And I go in there and there's the principal's secretary. And she's like, Mr. Ritz, look, you've got this big box. And I'm like, yes, yeah. thank you, Jesus. I have come to religion. You know, it is Christmas Day in the Bronx in September. Um, and I look at this <laughs> box and I'm thinking, wow, the internet works. That, that Al Gore, he knew what he was talking about. And, you know, I have this huge box and it says, Mr. Rich, science teacher. And like a kid on Christmas morning, I go running over to her desk. I rip right. open the box. And inside of these things that look like onions. And I'm like, WTF? Who would do <laughs> such a terrible thing to me? Send me a box of onions. Right. And I'm like shiznit literally i'm like holy <laughs> shiznit this really sucks i pick up the box and i walk out of the principal like dejected like man this is some kind of cruel joke like i'm being punk you know like where's al Funt? where's mtv you know i'm gonna be on someone's picture somewhere sure i take this box of onions and i literally walk back to class the kids are at lunch i throw it behind the radiator behind the window and I forget about it. Literally, you know, I got a sight out of mind. This just ain't going to work. Right. Anyway, fast forward about eight weeks later, there's a <laughs> huge, huge fight in class. And this skinny little sarcastic kid is going after the toughest girl in class, Carol, with cheap piercings and tattoo sleeves and tattoos, multiple piercings, and hits her right between the eyes with a joke about a mother. And the whole class is just rolling on the floor. I mean, it's like, ugh, it is on. <laughs> Carol throws over her desk and, and gets up. And then, like, in slow motion, my career is <laughs> over. And she goes running across the room to Gonzalo. And Gonzalo then goes reaching under the radiator. And I'm like, holy crap, what is he going to get? You know, my right. career is really <laughs> over. And lo and behold, he sticks his hand under the radio and comes out with a handful of flowers and starts throwing them in, his, in this girl's face. And the whole class is flipping out. She starts laughing. She starts smiling. I'm like, where'd these flowers come from? WTF yet again. And we look behind the radiator and it turns out that that whole box was a bunch of flowers. And what it was, was it turns out that in this box are flowers and none of us right. know anything. We're all like, you know, are you kidding me? What's up? Mm -hmm. The boys are like, let's give these out to the girls for sex. The girls are like, we can bring them home. We can sell them. We could do all these things. And it turns out that these things, onions, were actually flower bulbs. Fun. They were 
daffodil bulbs. And, and people had sent them to me to like get the children involved in building public spaces and to help plant daffodils in memory of 9-11. And it turns out that that year, my gang kids and I planted 25,000 bulbs across New York City uh, to commemorate 9-11. We built farms everywhere. We even got invited to City Hall. City Council thought that we were the honors program. They were a little surprised to find out we weren't, (laughs) but the kids dressed up nicely and that was a great teachable moment for everybody. Sure. And uh, we went on to have an urban landscape moment. And I started learning. It was also right at the time that Mayor Bloomberg, if you remember him, was talking about green roofs and green walls and the New Yorkers for parks moment and that every New Yorker should be within five minutes of a walk to a park. So it created an opportunity for me to focus in on living wage job skills with these children's park maintenance, urban restoration, urban remediation, um, landscaping, gardening, golf courses. Everything, And I really became a very credible figure in the community for connecting young people who wanted to work with living wage opportunities. If someone could find a way to bottle that energy and sell it. Oh, my gosh. What a great guest. Stephen is so much fun. The Green Bronx Machine is his organization. If you've not checked them out, find him on Instagram or any of the social media things. Fascinating work he does. I'm not even sure if he sleeps. He's going all the time. You know, part of the purpose of this episode is that if you're new to the show or missed a couple episodes here and there, go back and check out some of these older episodes. They're fantastic stories, really cool guests, and some things. There's something for everybody, I promise. You know, the show is ag-centric, but it's got kind of a broader scope to that, along with our what we call one degree of separation between agriculture and life, which means to us anyways, it incorporates the ag industry people, the ag folks that get it all and know it all about the industry, as well as regular folks and the curious alike. If there was a topic we did that was curious, it was episode six crawfish farming in Louisiana. You know, it started years ago, naturally. Everybody would just uh, catch their crawfish in the ditches or what have you with little little nets, put a little bait on it and whatever, different types of bait that would draw, uh, that would smell a little bit. That's how it started then over the years. And in our situation, 40 years ago, uh, you know, I, I started getting into it. I started off with 45 acres, you know, and then it grew to a couple thousand acres. You know, over the years, several thousand. With the rice commo- uh, market, the commodity market, uh, in the last 20, 25 years, we were needing some type of subsidy to compensate uh, the rice industry. Sure. And crawfish just fell right in because the crawfish feed off of the rice stubbles, the leftover straw. Okay. Stubbles. All so right. that's their food vegetation, we call it, for the crawfish. And so, and then over the years, we've learned oxygen levels and how to oxidate the water with the water wells and, and so forth on. And, and now, you know, we've come a long ways where we used to catch maybe two or 300 pounds to an acre. Now we're in at 2,000 and 2,500 pounds in, in, in many in cases, acres. you know. Wow. So it's, uh, it, it, we've come a long way, LSU, UL, different uh, colleges down south here, you know, they've done so much testing and, and, and experimenting over the years that they've really done a lot for us in that, that area, you know. You raise them, you harvest them. Does the bulk of it stay in this region, go nationwide? What? Oh, we ship all over. Do you? Yes, yes, we go all over. We, we have our own trucks that we have a 24-hour route 
that will we'll go out 12 hours one way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's on the live market. And then the tail meat, what's processed, well, then that goes all over. We ship the frozen goods out all over. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. We keep our boots muddy and our ears tuned to the thorny challenges of agriculture. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Because it's the truth. The Gowan Group is a global, family-owned agriculture solution business headquartered in Yuma, Arizona. Gowan specializes in developing, marketing, and processing agricultural inputs such as crop protection products, seeds, and fertilizers. Gowan has grown markets in the majority of the agricultural regions globally. A deep respect for science and a passion for agriculture drives Gowan Company to help growers solve their critical pest and plant health issues. Let's say it together. Gowan Company. I feel like the more shows we do, the more we get to know each other. You know what I mean? I know you, you know me. Oh, look, we're just regular people, right? I mow my yard, you mow your yard. Regular stuff. And when it comes to promoting open field radio, I need regular people to tell other regular people this show is happening. So tell somebody. Knock on somebody's door, call them up, send them a text, whatever, and tell them you're listening to open field radio, and by golly, they should be too. It'll be awesome, I promise, because that's what friends do at open field radio. Big shout out to places we know are listening to Open Field Radio. Hello to Clive, Iowa, Idaho Falls, Idaho, Maple Grove, Minnesota, Sarasota, Florida, Barcelona, Spain, and Oakham, United Kingdom. Thanks for listening. So we're starting a new thing here at Open Field Radio, and we, I talk like there's a bunch of us, but there are plenty of us here. An entire team, as a matter of fact, and we are starting a thing we like to call Ask OFR. Pretty simple. Hashtag on Instagram or Twitter. Hashtag Ask OFR. Got a question on something? Maybe an episode? Maybe an idea? I don't know. Just ask a question because you know what? If I don't know the answer, I know plenty of folks that do. And it could be kind of cool. We want to hear from you. We love to interact with you. With that, ask us something. For crying out loud, ask that question. Hashtag Ask OFR. Because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. This is Marsh McTari. Co-founder of Grey Whale Gin, Season 1, Episode 7, and you're listening to Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. You know, as Season 1 progressed, there was a lot of things we learned. And the obvious thing was the show is not about Open Field Radio. The show is not strictly about the guests, though they are super important. The show is really about you guys, the listeners, because without you, there is no show. And like they say in radio, man, did the phones light up when we got to episode 11. Matt Gregg, the oyster farmer. We're actually going to help to bring back some of that diversity just by the existence of the uh, the structures and all of the small sessile organisms that will be attracted to the area. We're going to actually um, create habitat. So kind of a build it and they will come kind of idea. Exactly. And, um, you know, it's been scientifically proven that oyster farms um, create what we call essential fish habitat and they uh you know they're great for diversity and from the success with matt and the oyster farm we didn't slow down two episodes later it happened again and it couldn't have happened with a better guy episode 13 the onion king of texas don ed holmes when i first got into business in 1976 we still loaded 300 bags on a rail car in barwise texas sent them to Cincinnati and we'd, we'd sell them along the way out of the rail cars. So when the rail cars got to Cincinnati, 
we could divert it back to Birmingham. We could divert it to Atlanta. We could go to Columbia, South Carolina. We could go to Norfolk. We could go to Philly, Detroit, Chicago. Everything went to Cincinnati and then was sold. Then the telephone, we started using the telephone more. And as we got into the telephone, uh, things started going direct to the people. We put together four drop loads, five drop loads, okay. six drop loads. Had some guys over in Louisiana who put seven drops together. And uh, that there was enough trucks around to haul it. And then as we started moving into the 90s, there was a consolidation in the business in the the big ones started eating the little ones, and <laughs> now there's not near as many people around, so all of that kind of changed. Uh, and now what I see happening is back then, people knew your kids were in college. They knew your daughter had braces. They knew, right. well, and that was a first big jump was into the fax machines. Before faxes, everything was 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 talked about on the phone. On the phone, and it was, yeah. All of the, the orders all came in over the phones, and then after the loads were loaded, the orders all went back on the phone. Well, now the orders came in on the phone, but they actually went back on a piece of paper. <laughs> uh, and now, here about five years ago, I had the first load that we actually, uh, I talked to the guy via email, I didn't get to tell him how pretty the onions were or how long they'd keep or why he should buy mine or why he should buy. I just told him what they cost. He knew who I was. He sent me an order back on email. I loaded the load. I sent him an email back giving him the truck name and when the truck would be there. Mm -hmm. And we mailed him an invoice and he sent me a check. I never <laughs> talked to the guy. I don't right. You know, I don't know if his daughter had her braces taken off or whether she still, you know. It's, yeah. So we've lost some of the personal contact. And to me, that's uh, that's that's sad because, you know, we went from knowing these people so well to now we don't know them like we did. And it's good and bad. I mean, you can, you can do a lot of things a lot quicker with a computer, but you lose a lot of the personal aspects you, you miss sure. some of that and i think the receivers nowadays these younger the younger crowd coming in are really good at turning a computer on i, I told some of the guys in my office the other day i said i'm gonna have to get somebody i i, I don't check my email long enough I, I didn't know i was sold out until i started looking through all these emails <laughs> i was sold out but i wasn't sold out now i sold out about an hour after i came in the office right well <laughs> You know, I'd sold a lot more than what I'd realized. So that it, it brings up all, you know, for us slow movers, uh, when it comes to computer skills, it, sure. uh, it brings a whole new set of challenges. Some of these new guys I hire, they don't know how to sell. Uh, and I guess my problem is I know how to sell, but I don't know how to. I, I, some of them, I don't know how to sell to these guys that don't care about being sold. All they want to do is is uh, send a, a piece of paper back right. and forth that, and consummate a, a deal that's made very impersonally on a piece of paper. Right. And uh, I think I think down the road we're going to miss that. But it's just the evolution of business. That's that's how it's uh, that's the way it's going. Open Field Radio. Like, share, subscribe. This is Michael Ruhlman, author of Grocery, The Buying and Selling of Food in America. Price check on Honey Nut Wonder Rose. Season 1, Episode 4, and you're listening to Open Field Radio.
You know, the purpose of this episode was not just to look back. I could dig through all of these episodes and find great moments, and they were great moments. But I also want to look ahead. Season two is just around the corner, and you know what? We do have uh, some names. Let's just say that. I don't want to give it all away, but if you twist my arm, I might drop one name. Okay, one name. Um, how about John Deere? I'd love to hear your thoughts, your ideas. Who knows who you know? Probably somebody cool, because we all know somebody cool. And like I say, we're all just regular people, right? It's you. It's me. We're going to be best friends before this thing is over. You know that. Got a show idea? A guest idea? I'll take it. Email me, info at openfieldradio.com. No idea is a bad idea. Also, don't forget to use the new hashtag on Instagram and Twitter. Hashtag AskOFR. You got a question or just any, I don't care, anything. Send it to me. Hit it. Two more episodes in season one coming up. Season two starts September 2nd, and it's going to be a great year. Full steam ahead. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.